So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. I thank you that you're here by your spirit. And I thank you that uh, transformation comes as a result of your word. No matter what you said, no matter what you did, your word declares that your word never returns to you void without having it accomplish the purpose to which it's been released. And Father, as this word is released, I pray that it accomplishes the purpose to which you release this word and it brings transformation and change in our thinking, in our understanding, in our spirit, in our mind, in our bodies, Lord God. Now, Father, I thank you that you're building your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. That you're building us and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us in the name of Jesus. We are strong. Stronger than we believe. We are powerful because the Word of God says we are. We have your Spirit working and reigning and ruling within us. And thank you, Father, that you're doing something powerful in us as we listen to your Word, as we allow it to take effect upon our minds, our bodies in Jesus. I pray that people are healed as this Word is released. I pray that people's sense of, of purpose and hope and strength is, is, is kindled to an absolute fever pitch. And we believe and walk on water today in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's the sermon done for today. Hallelujah. That's it, mate. Here we go. Ready? Launch. Okay. Here's something uh, um, that I, I had no idea about. I, uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, in a previous life, I was a policeman. Uh, I, was, uh, I served as a police officer for 25 years. Uh, I went through uh, the Bible Academy. Oh, sorry, Bible Academy. Police Academy. <laughs> Uh, um, boy, I wish there was a Bible in the police academy, I can tell you. Uh, I went through the police academy for two years, uh, did training for that. There was in phases and out phases. Like in phases, you have to stay in the police academy and you're like a prisoner. Um, and then uh, you go, go out uh, uh, and you do out phases, you do various postings and, and stuff like that. That two years, I learned the basics about what it was to be a police officer. I learned, uh, understood what the laws were, how to, uh, um, you know, like uh, what I could do in circum- certain circumstances, the things I could do, the things I couldn't do, uh, and all of that that goes on. And I graduated from the police academy, and then I hit the streets. And I remember teaming up with my, my senior man, a uh, senior partner. He was a, a senior constable. Uh, he'd been oh, many years in the, the, uh, the police department, obviously. Uh, his first words to me were, after the parade had finished, he says, okay, mate, now your, your training really starts. And I think, what was the last two years then? You know, I'm, I'm thinking, like, what did I just do? And this is the thing I came to understand, was that from that moment forward... I started to live a life that I never thought possible. I, I, I was a part of things. I, I did things. I was exposed to things. Uh, we, we did things as police officers that I, I could not have imagined uh, in that two years of going through the police academy. It was actually beyond my wildest imagination, both in a positive sense but also in a negative sense as well. I had no idea of some of the uh, the absolute tragedies that I'd be exposed to in life. I I, I wasn't even aware that that people hated police so much uh, and were openly hostile towards it. But then on the other side of that equation is that I I wasn't aware of how much respect and honour that others had for the police as well. Uh, How, you know, uh, it just, they they trust you to, to fix stuff. Uh, and, and the whole, but I had no idea, I had no imagination, uh, no, no thought about how 
my life was going to be shaped as a police officer. And you know what? I don't think that as a Christian we've got any idea either. You know, just leading into Easter just recently, this is the whole, whole thing of this series that we're currently doing on resurrection life. I believe that we have no clue sometimes of what God wants to do in our lives. I, I don't believe that we have this, this understanding about truly what God wants to shape and to, to construct in our lives the way he wants us to have influence and he wants us to, to bring change to our communities in such a great way. And, and just like in the police department, there is the positive side of the Christian life where people value Christian ethics, they value the morals that we, we espouse and the standard to which we like to aspire to. But there are other people that think that the, the being a Christian is the worst thing you could ever do in life. They, they, they hate Christians with a passion. Uh, and sometimes we've given them the reason to do that. Let's be honest. Oh, did you want me to go and not speak that bit either? Okay. So I don't think sometimes that we have got any idea. We, no, the Bible says it itself. No mind has imagined what God has in store for those who love him. I want to tell you this morning that God has got great things in store for your life and for mine. God has got great things in store for your family. He's got great things in store for your workplace, for your community, for the street that you live in, for your neighbors. He's got great things in store for you and for the people that you influence in life. And that's the whole premise of this, this series that we're doing called Resurrection Life, is to understand what I feel that God has got in store for us. And it's based upon the word life. Now, so far, this is part three this morning, so welcome to part three. If you want parts one and two, check us out on iTunes, download the messages. You'll get a great blessing out of doing those. You can even, I can organize some sermon notes for you so you don't miss out on that homework. <laughs> but there's this thing that, well, like, uh, where uh, I, I think that uh, on the word life that, that I wanted to dig a little bit into. So life, L-I-F-E. Life stands for living in faith. Every day, that was part one. We can live in freedom every day, that was part two. And this morning, we're going to be digging a little bit deeper into part three, which is we're going to live in fruitfulness every day. Because I believe that a resurrection life is a life of faith, it's a life of freedom, and it's a life of fruitfulness. Because we have to have faith to live in freedom. We have to have faith to believe that God, what God says for us is going to come true. We have to uh, believe that, that God's caused us to come into freedom. But what are we going to use our freedom for? And I believe that God's got a purpose for us, and that's a part of fruitfulness. So this morning, let's dig a little bit deeper into this uh, this message, series of messages, and my iPad's turned off, so I'll just turn that back on so that I know what I'm doing, which always helps when you're speaking. Cool. So we're living in fruitfulness every day. Amen? Amen. Okay. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10, out of the Passion Translation, says this. We've become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined in brackets, engrafted into the vine, into Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny, the good works we would do to fulfill it. 
God planned us to live effective and productive and fruitful lives. I believe that with all my heart. God wants us to be effective. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be effective in the things that he's called us to be. In fact, he's empowered us to be able to do it. He never tells us to do something without giving us the power to do it. Sometimes you're going to have to walk on the water to achieve what he wants you to do. But that's even stepping out of the boat. And some people say, you know, well, you know, there were still 11 disciples in the boat. Yeah, but the, the 11 disciples got in the boat. There was a thousand or more, a thousand still on the, on the, on the shoreline. At least they got in the boat. At least Peter stepped over the side, but he did it on a word. He did it because he, he said to Jesus, if it's you, Lord, cause me to come. And he, and he went out and walked on the water. See, God wants us to live effective and fruitful and, and, and productive life. In fact, I think it's something that, that the fruit of our lives is what helps us to be recognized as children of God. The fruit, the, how we live our life is a testament or a testimony, a story of what a Christian life can be like. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. You know what? I can walk up to my apricot tree, and I know it's an apricot tree because there's apricots on it. Oh, rocket science right there. That's just like, you know, I could do brain surgery with this stuff. I can walk up to my apple tree, and I know what sort of a tree it is because it's got watermelons on it. No, it's got apples on it. So we can tell too by a Christian what sort of God we're serving because people will look at that and they'll say, you know what? They can know what sort of tree we're from. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life. Wow. See, we're not on this earth just to have faith, but to demonstrate our faith. To live our faith out in the world through good works. We don't work for our salvation, but we work from our salvation. Okay? You can't earn salvation. The Bible's clear on it. But you know what? Because of our salvation, we can work from that with a whole new dynamic happening. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Doing things in, in our world, just being led by Him and, and, and having Him speak to us and giving us words of wisdom, words of knowledge and things like that. We can work from our salvation. We're not just on this earth just to be free, but to bring freedom to others through outrageous acts of kindness and grace by sharing the good news. You know, that's what I love about the community garden. That's what I love about what Tony's getting uh, going with the, the one in ten thing around uh, the, the Mount Barker and the Adelaide Hills area. That's what I love about the play group. That's what I love about what God is doing through this church, through your life and my life. As we go out, he's building something. He's constructing something. People can see that God's real because of what we're doing because we've been empowered by the spirit of god i'll get excited in a minute and i know you will too we've been created anew given resurrection life so that we can do the good things that god planned for us long ago in a galaxy far far away he created this plan for us god wants us to live lives that are fruitful even in the story of Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, where the story of the talents, you know, this, this person gives, the king gives these various talents to various people, and they, either they, they invest them and they, they create a return for them, and then the, the, the guy comes back and he says, good job, well done, uh, here's more. But then the guy, who, what he was given, he just buried it, 
uh, uh, the, the owner of that, that money was ticked, was not impressed. You know, you could have just put it in the bank and I would have got the interest alone from that. So what God gives us, he expects a return. What God's given to you, he expects a return. This life that you've been given, there's a return expected as of it. Didn't you know that? You do now. If we are fruitful with what gives us, God gives us, he'll give us more and an abundance. If we're not fruitful with what he's given us, even the little that we have will be taken from us. In Proverbs 11.24 it says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Ooh. So, the resurrection life is a fruitful life. One of the greatest ways to please God is to be fruitful in life. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 10 says this, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then, then... The way that you will live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you'll grow as you learn to know God better and better. That's great news. It's just just good news right there. So how do we live this fruitful life? Well, let's have a look at that. And then we're going to spend probably in the next... Two to three weeks looking at this, this particular passage, because I think there's some things in here for us that are going to help us to understand how it is that we can live a fruitful life. And we're going to go to John chapter 15, verses 1 to 16. I'll read the whole thing, and then uh, we'll look at uh, this, this as we go through. You ready for that? Three people are ready, praise God. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce 
lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. What a powerful piece of scripture, isn't it? It's just a wonderful passage of Jesus unfolding for us what I believe is a process that God wants to bring about in your life and in my life. It starts out with just producing fruit. But then it goes on to produce much fruit. And then it goes on to produce yet more, something it calls lasting fruit. And I believe that there's three things I want to bring out of this passage this morning. The first thing is that there is something called sanctified fruit. Then there's seasoned fruit. And then there is significant fruit. So the first part that we're going to look at this morning, and I'll look later at seasoned fruit and about significant fruit. But this morning I want to talk about something called sanctified fruit. And this is the thing that we're going to look at this morning. The first thing I looked at this in verse 1 was that Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. (laughs) Did you hear that? Okay, Jesus is the true grapevine and the father is the gardener. Jesus is the true grapevine. There's no other way that we can say this, but uh, he's the true vine. He's not the fake one. He's not the false one. Others will claim that, but they're not the true vine. They'll say that this is the only way that you can get to God. This is the only way that you can do this or that. No, God, Jesus is the true vine. Okay? He's the one through whom we find our lives growing healthily and abundantly. He's the one through whom we are fed and we draw our strength from. He's the one through whose DNA we have flowing through our veins right now. He's, it's his purity and his holiness that we become a part of when we are grafted into his vine. It's his righteousness and his mission that we become a part of when we're grafted into his vine. Jesus is the true vine. He's the purest rootstock. He's holy. He's without blemish, without stain. There's no black spot in Jesus. There's no disease or or, or, or malfunction in in how he's created. There's never a lack of fruitfulness in who he's doing. There's never a lack of, of anything that we will ever need because he is the true vine. He's the true vine. The life from his vines is so potent that it can't be contained in old wineskins. It blows them up. He's the new wine. Old wine doesn't wash anymore. Old mindsets, old ways aren't part of this new true vine. Once upon a time, it was an eye for an eye. Now it's forgive them, pray for them, bless them. New mindsets. New, he's the true vine. Things changed from the old to the new. From death to life. From law to grace. Old ways can't contain what Jesus has done and will do through you and me. When we become part of the true vine, we take on his characteristics. It's natural. We can't help it. There's nothing that we can do about it. We are holy. That's why grace is, you know, salvation is by grace through faith for him. It's his work. I can't do anything. It's already done. I can tell you guys are excited on the inside. Here's the next thing. The Father 
is the gardener. In being a part of the true vine, we have the love and the care of the Father as our gardener. Who better to tend that vine than the one who planted a garden in Eden and placed a man in that garden to look after it and to tend it? Under his skillful direction and care, under his instruction, he tells Adam how to chop things and prune things and, and pull stuff up and how to reclaim some of the old chaos that was around about. It was up to him. He said to go in and, and to take dominion in that garden. He said to multiply, be fruitful in that area. This is the same God that created that, that garden in Eden. This, he's the same father that was at work there. He's the same person. He's, it's still God's intention to walk in intimacy with you and I as a part of his garden. <clears throat> who better to tend the vine than the one who caused Aaron's staff to sprout, to bud, to blossom and to produce ripe almonds overnight in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. He can take your dead stick and create a complete year's worth of process in your life. He can cause you to blossom, to bud, to fruit and, and, and to, to grow and to have fully formed almonds in your life overnight. You are not dead. God is going to breathe life into you. He's going to bring fruitfulness out of your life. In Numbers chapter 17, verses 7 to 8, it says, Moses placed the staffs in the Lord's presence in the tabernacle of the covenant. And when he went into the tabernacle the next day, he found Aaron's staff representing the tribe of Levi. It had sprouted, budded, blossomed, and produced ripe almonds. Now, Father is the gardener and knows every season of our life and every part of the process that we're going to go through in life. And he can do it overnight. You might think that you're dead, that you've reached the end of your fruitfulness. But I'm going to tell you right here, God sent me to tell you this morning that your fruitfulness is not finished. It's just starting. The Father knows when to prune and when to cut off. He knows when to water and when to feed. The Father knows what songs to sing over us as we're growing. People say that, you know, oh, I sing to my plants, I sing to my veggies and fruits, I talk to them as I talk to my plants so that it'll grow more. You know what? I believe God, that came out of God. It was His intention to, for us to do that. And people think you're crazy. No, that's a part of creation. You know what? We can actually make an atmosphere of faith around our, our produce to make them grow and bless them. Why do you think we pray? The Father is the gardener. We get the best possible love, care, and expertise. Because he's the one that's gardening that vine. He's the one that's looking after that vine. He's the one. There's no greater love than we'll receive that from the Father as our gardener. He's going to look after you. He's going to tend you. He's going to cut you up. But in the best possible way. He'll do it with love. That bit of your life, that bit of your character that you have struggled with for so long. When you say to God, God, I offer this part to you. Would you prune this? Would you cut it off? I want it no further place in my life. I want you to deal with this. Not in self-control, not in self-discipline, 
Not in my own self-will, not me dragging myself up by my bootstraps, but by me yielding and surrendering that area of my life to the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Father comes along and says, done. And he cuts it off. And we never struggle with that again in our life because it's, it's a work of God. It's not a work of my flesh. Does that make sense? Oh, I, I feel power running. I feel this the sense of just the power of God's word flowing this morning. People's spirits are being enlarged. People's spirits are being changed this morning. Mindsets that, that we thought about for so long are just crumbling because we're coming unto an understanding that the Father as the gardener is the best possible care that we'll ever have. And because we're, we're engrafted into the purest of vines, the purest of rootstock that we can ever get in, in life. And it reaches back to the Garden of Eden. I can't prove that. That's just me saying that. So how do we live in fruitfulness every day? I believe living in fruitfulness every day is not an event. It is a process. Just as the life cycle of a vine, the life cycle of a a fruit tree, whatever, it's not an event, it's a process. Being man and woman, growing from being an infant to maturity, it's a process. It's a process. And God's got us in a process. So sanctified fruit. Sanctified fruit is this. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He speaks to us. See, that's why and it's good to speak to your plants. Make them happy. Just put a bit of joy in their world this week. Would you just talk to your plants, okay? Just maybe they'll bud a bit more, you know? I might not, but it may be, you know? He speaks to us. Remain in me, he says, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither, you can, uh, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We have been uh, grafted into the vine by being born again. Everything changed for us. The moment we believed in Jesus. When we attached our faith to the person of Jesus, our lives completely changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 under the Passion Translation says, If anyone is enfolded, in brackets I've got in, in my engrafted into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that's related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. We, we, when we got born again, our DNA changed. Our DNA changed. I'm no longer like my father, my earthly physical father. Now I am more like my heavenly father because I've been completely changed. I've been twi- in, a, in the twinkling of an eye. My life has completely changed, both internally. I might look like my father on the outside, but on the inside, my spirit is renewed. My life has changed. My heart is different. My thinking starts to, under- to, to go on a different track. We have a different DNA, the DNA of our Heavenly Father. Therefore, the fruit that we produce now comes from being a part of Him. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says this, Jesus gave Himself on our behalf that He might redeem us, purchase our freedom from all iniquity, and purify for Himself a people to be peculiarly His own. 
people who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. That sounds like a resurrection life to me. That sounds like about what God has produced, wants to produce in my life. A resurrection life. He's redeemed me. He's set me apart. He has sanctified me. He has set me apart for a holy purpose. Once I was unholy, I was full of sin and death and unrighteousness. But because I became born again, all of a sudden my life has completely changed. Now I am a part of Him. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm without blame. It says that in Colossians. It says that. that um, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm really getting excited. He says this in verse 22. He says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Boom chakalaka, boom chakalaka, boom chaka. I wish I could dance. I, could, I wish I could sing. There's three things about sanctification that you need to know. Number one, there is positional sanctification. Number two, that there is progressive sanctification. And number three, that there is perpetual or ultimate sanctification. Okay, sanctification simply means that I've been separated out from and into for a holy purpose. That's what sanctification means. Okay, so now you understand what sanctification means. It's, I've been sanctified. I've been taken out of and into him. I've taken out of death into life. I've taken out of a lack of purpose into his purpose. So positional sanctification is the fact that God declares a person to be absolutely holy the moment they believe in Jesus Christ. When God looks at a Christian, he sees righteousness and holiness of Christ. That's what he sees. Bible, scriptures, that backs it up and you can go and look for yourself. Okay? So because of our union with Christ, you are holy and righteous. Why? Uh, who you were does not exist anymore. You were born again and you have a new DNA. On the other hand of, hand of, of this, this pendulum here, you have, at the other end of it, you have perpetual or ultimate sanctification. That occurs when we die. When a Christian is absolutely and perpetually free from the very presence of sin and is perfected in God's sight. So that when, that's when we go into glory with Jesus. Okay? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Dear friends, you are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. So in other words, when we come into this moment of passing from uh, a physical de- uh, life into... Uh, sorry, when we go from physical life to physical death, we come alive to him fully, perpetually. Okay, that we have this sanctification, we will be, we've got different bodies. Praise God. I won't go there. (laughs) Then we have this thing called progressive sanctification. And it's the process of taking what we are positionally right here today and what we will be perpetually and progressively making it a reality in our lives. That's where we become like Jesus more and more every day. Line upon line, precept upon precept, we are being changed into, changed, changed 
into the image of Jesus. That is progressive sanctification. That is being a seasoned fruit. And I'll talk more about that next week. I'll talk more about significant fruit the week after. Maybe. I can't remember what I'm doing. Might be here, might be. When we were born again, we are engrafted into the, to Jesus, the true vine, and we produce fruit in keeping with his DNA. When we are engrafted into Jesus, to the vine, we are disease-free, sickness-free, black-spot-free, blameless, holy, sanctified, and righteous. See, this is why we can say in the Lord's Prayer, or the disciples' prayer, really, uh, as it is in heaven so it is on earth in other words we're to call that realm that we actually really are a part of more that's why we need to keep our eyes on the eternal not the here and now so that we can call those things that aren't as though they are because we're laying hold of all that god has got for us all ready and making them a reality in our life in the here and now. Can I, 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 here's, the, here's the deal. I know that some of you are taking notes. And it's fantastic. And you've got my notes. And that's fantastic as well. Listen to this message again. There is, it's power packed. It's jam packed. And I, I guarantee that, that when you, you've listened to this message the second and third and the fourth time. You'll get more out of it. I know I will. I'll probably get saved. God brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son that he loves so that we live fruitful lives. That we would be a people who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. That's why God planned stuff for us in advance. He planned our destiny, the good works that we would do to fulfill it. We've been born again to produce fruit. The fruit that God wants to produce through us can only be produced by being a part of Him in His vine. That's why it's sanctified fruit. I can't do this on my own. It's one of the immutable laws of nature that God created right at the start. Seed only reproduces after its own kind. An orange seed will only produce oranges. Apple seeds will only produce apples. God's seeds only produce God's, God's fruit. So when I became born again, when I became sanctified, I became holy and blameless. Therefore, the fruit of my life is no longer sin and death, but it's life, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The fruit that we produce will be determined by being attached to the vine. You see, here's the, here's the deal. A seed can't determine the fruit that it's going to produce. It can't suddenly say, I'm an apple seed, I want to produce watermelons. Because the watermelons are so big, they've got nice bright red flesh, so I want to be a watermelon. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. God has created us with gifts and abilities in our lives and he has placed us 
in, as a part of the body of Christ where we are going to be the greatest effectiveness in our lives. We're going to produce the greatest fruit in our lives by being and acting and, and fulfilling our role in the body of Christ in that, in that place. So just because you, you don't like the position you're at, ask God to give you a revelation of why you're there. Talk to him. I mean, he's talking to you already. Talk to him about that. So the fruit that we produce is determined by being attached to the vine. So as we remain in him, he'll ensure that fruit is needed by us or someone else is ready at just the right time. He's, 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 make, he's constructing, he's, he's creating fruitfulness in our lives just for ourselves but also for other people. The great thing about being a part of Jesus is that we're not limited to one fruit. You are a fruit salad. Did you know that? Because the Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 to 23, it's the fruits, fruits of the Spirit. Fruits. Oh, when God does something, He goes over the, over the top, doesn't He? Don't you love that about God? You, I mean, it's just amazing about God, you know. Uh, you, you want an offering to, to give because you haven't got enough of the tax. Well, just pop down to the beach. There's a fish there. It's got a, it's got a coin in its mouth. It's for you. Go, go pay, pay your tax with that. Okay, uh, that's cool. No worries. He goes over the top. I don't know about you, but that's over the top. I, I've been fishing. I've caught fish. I haven't yet had one with a coin in it. Probably the one I threw back, yeah. God just goes over the top. <laughs> You're not winning the battle. Oh, hang on a minute. You seem to be winning when the sun's at its highest. How about I make the sun stop still so that you can actually keep, continue to win at this moment? He just goes over the top. By producing the fruits that God has only happens if we remain in him. I read it out a little bit before, Colossians chapter 1, verses 22 to 23, and I don't think it's in your notes. He says, you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away, it says, from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. There's a responsibility on you and I to remain in Christ, to remain a part of the vine. There is a responsibility. He says in John 15 verse 4, remain in me. Everyone say that. Remain in me and I will remain in you. He says, for a branch can't produce uh, fruit if it is severed from the vine, but you can, cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So how do we remain in him? It's really simple. Okay? Staying attached to the true vine, okay, you just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Feed yourself on God's Word. Stay attached to His body, the church. See, here's something I've learned in life. What we feed grows and what we starve dies. When was the last time you really just put on a worship tape or see, it's a tape, CD <laughs> in your car? Put a, an eight track in your car, 
and, and you just let some worship loose and you crank the volume and as you're driving to work, you worshipped. When was the last time you sat down in, of an evening uh, and you turned off the TV and you said, Father, I'm going to spend time with you and your word. I'm just going to love on you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to magnify you. I don't come with a single prayer item. I just want to lift you up. I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. I'm just saying, when was the last time? When was the last time? When was the last time we did that? We need to offer up those parts of ourselves that we know need to be dealt with. We know that they need to be dealt with. The way that I keep snapping at people, it's got to stop. Father, I offer this up to you. I cannot stop myself from doing this. But I know that with your help and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can deal with this area of my life. And I ask you now to cut it off or to prune it in whatever fashion that you want. Lord, would you work in me? Would you bring about your fruit in my life? Would you bring about what you want to produce from me so that I become more and more like Jesus? I don't read in the Bible where Jesus gets cut off by a chariot and he gives them the bird. It's just got to finish. You've got to stop it. We've got to, these areas of our lives where it's just got to finish. I believe with all my heart that the resurrection life that God has for us is beyond our wildest imagination. Our most daring dream, like nothing we've ever seen. The resurrection life is a fruitful life. God created us to produce sanctified fruit, but He's also created us to, uh, to, to produce seasoned fruit and significant fruit. Can I have the team back up this morning, please? I actually want to spend some time in prayer for, for people this morning. This message is... Um, it's, it's leaking out of me. I'm a bit warm. I believe that there are people here this morning that uh, for whatever reason and, and life happens, can we just stand for a moment, please? I just want to make this real easy for people to respond. <clears throat> life happens. It really does. Uh, work happens. Stuff goes on, and before we know it, what we thought was going to be a fantastic moment in our lives, we find ourselves drifting away from God. We find ourselves that we've become disconnected maybe from the vine. We've uh, done something that maybe we never thought we'd do. I believe that God wants to, to touch people this morning. To shower His blessing and favor upon them. To give you strength. To give you vitality. To let His life flow through you. Maybe you, you feel a bit like Aaron's staff. You're just a dead stick. This morning God sent me to tell you that what God did for Aaron's staff, 
He can do for you. He can cause your life to come into a whole new area of life and fruitfulness that you thought was done, over, finished. I've done too many things that maybe I'm not proud of that have brought me shame and guilt. That's of the enemy. When we are grafted into the vine, he doesn't see that. He sees the righteousness of Christ. The enemy has been lying to you. The enemy has been trying to bring you down. He is the accuser of the brethren. In other words, he's coming fully on for you to try and bring you down, to separate you. The the enemy's whole purpose in life is this one thing, to break your focus. To break your focus of looking at Jesus and getting it off onto yourself and your circumstances. He's trying to, 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 to cut across your vision of who Jesus is and what he can do in your life. And if he can do that, he can start to move you away from the blessing and, the, and, and what God wants to do in your life. Away from your area of greatest fruitfulness. This morning, we are going to have a, an altar time. If you'd like prayer for anything this morning, I just want to open up the front. Come. We pray together. You're not coming to me because I've got the answers. You're coming to God because let's agree together because where two or three are gathered in my name, he says, I'm right there and amongst you. Whatever two or three uh, agrees together, it shall be done. That's why you're coming. You're not coming for for my hand of blessing because you're just as anointed as me. I'm no different from you. I'm no one's... I'm, I'm just... Operating in my call, my part of the body, my area of the orchard. If you like prayer this morning, I believe that God is here right now to bring freedom, to to put hope and faith back into your life. For you to realize that he's going to bring an area of fruitfulness in. Overnight, what happens in the season can happen in your life. You can sprout. Who loves sprouts? You can bud. I love buds. I've got a bud right there. He's a good bud. You can blossom. My beautiful wife. She blossoms. She radiates beauty. God created her. God created Joe. God created Josh. God created you. You are a blossom. And God can create fruitfulness like you never believe possible. Just as maybe, I don't know what song you got. Hopefully it's a good song for prayer. Cool. If you want prayer this morning, come out. Let's pray together. And as the team lead us in this song and then I'll close up the service.